0: Center Point Bible Church, I'm the connecting pastor here at Center Point. and uh, as Pastor John had said, uh, Pastor Lowell is on vacation, so uh, as in this series, we're going through Ephesians, so I'm landing on one verse today, Ephesians 4, 25, so Lowell gave me one verse, so I'll be done in about five minutes, and then uh, you guys can take off. Um, actually, we, we were talking about what, uh, where I would be teaching or preaching while he was away, and I landed on this verse. And at first I thought, man, it's only one verse, but there is so much in only one verse. Uh, Before we get started, I'd like to ask you guys a question and just turn to each other and answer this question. When's the last time you got all dressed up for something? And I don't mean just dressed up, I mean all dressed up. When's the last time you got all dressed up for something? Take a minute and talk to the person beside you. We'll take about 15 more seconds. So when's the last time, can you think of a time, the last time that you got all dressed up? Now I'm going to tell you a story about a uh, time I got dressed up. And it wasn't the last time, but it was, believe it or not, it was back in the 1900s. This is way back in the 1900s. My junior year of high school. Junior year. Nineteen and ninety something. Okay. It was like 1991. 91. So uh, I was prom was coming around the corner and I didn't really have anybody to to go with. So I ended up talking with someone in my class and uh, she was a really popular cheerleader. And and we just had a really good conversation. Just, I really didn't talk to her that much, but we had a good conversation one day. And I said, uh, Hey, you going with anybody to the prom? No. I said, how about going with me? I know nowadays they have like, they you know, they have like launch fireworks and have like digital messages and, you know, YouTube sensations and stuff like that and helicopters and everything. But way back in the 1900s, you just said, hey, you want to go, you know? So I said, would you like to go? You want to go to prom, to prom with me? She said, sure, let's do it. So I left there and then I thought, I just asked a really popular cheerleader to go to prom. And she said, Yes. And I started like getting scared in my mind, going through all these things, you know, what do I need to do? So I started preparing and I, uh, you got a special tuxedo because that was what you did. You got the tuxedo. You called the place and ordered it. And I made sure that my tuxedo color, pink with chiffons and stuff. No, I'm just kidding. I made sure my tuxedo, nice and black. But it, like, I think we even had a cummerbund. I tried to match it with her uh, dress and uh, did all that stuff. I, I cleaned my car. My, my car, my 1974 Volkswagen Carmen Ghia. If anyone, mm-hmm, mm-hmm nice, Mm -hmm. rusty tomato red. You know, used to be cherry red, but it became tomato red. Still, still nice car. Um, Look it up if you don't know what that is. And clean my car out. I got a hair's cut and all my hair's cut. What else did I do? I have, I even showered. I even showered for this. This was a big moment. I said, I better shower before this thing. So I Long story short, she comes over, we get a bunch of pictures, we go over to her house, get a bunch of pictures and things like that. But the day of, like, I put my tuxedo on, I was looking good, I looked at myself in the mirror, and I said to myself, you are ready, you are ready to do this. And what happened was probably, maybe a tie for the worst, (laughs) the worst event, prom, dance thingy I've ever had. Uh... And I tried to figure out later on in life, why did this happen? Why did I have such a horrible time? And I realized that I was all ready, but I missed one thing. I missed being myself. Um, I got dressed up and and I felt good on the outside, but I did not feel right on the inside. So I looked at everybody else and I saw everybody else in, in in my mind's eye, How great everybody else looked, and how everything was perfect for everybody. And I thought, I need to have this perfect too. So I, you know, I I was all stiff, and I didn't really talk. And you want water? You want me? Me? You? Me? me. You want water? You You know. And I barely had a conversation with this girl. We went out to eat. I barely talked. We went out with a couple other people. It was really awkward. And at the end of the night, I just could not wait to be done. Side note, she also liked another dude that was a football player and baseball player and stuff. So she she's kind of ogling him. And that really made me feel even better in the evening. But I wasn't, I wasn't myself. I was not how God designed me to be. And it was horrible. The next year, I don't have this in my notes, but the next year, my senior prom, I had the best time. I was like, I'm never doing that again. I I went with a group of people. We had a wonderful time and uh, I could be myself. But in that moment, I think God allowed me to go through that, to teach me when I got older about who I really am and who I'm called to be. Now, I said we're in Ephesians 4, so let's open up to Ephesians 4. And we've been in the the Ephesians series, the Masterpiece Life, we've been in it for a while now, and on the screen we have Ephesians 4.25, and this is the passage that I want, this is the verses that I want to go to today. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another seems like a short passage, a short verse, but there's a lot packed into it. But before we dive into that, let's reverse, because we look at the first word there, and it says, therefore. And whenever you're reading your Bible, if you start someplace it says, therefore, blah, 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 you should stop and say, therefore. What's it there for? And then you go back and try to read a little bit to try to get a better context of what's going on. So let's just jump back to Ephesians 4, 17, and it was preached a, a few weeks ago, four seventeen to twenty twenty two, and then and then just last week around twenty two to twenty four. But let me read Ephesians four seventeen uh, and on, and I'll just share a couple things. Now this I say, and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened by their in their understanding alienated from life, the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become calloused and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Let me stop right there. A few weeks ago, it was referenced here, this passage. It really impacted me because Pastor Low fleshed it out in a series of what can happen in our lives. The call, the, the, the must, the must that Paul is saying to the Ephesians is, you must no longer walk like this, which means there is a possibility or they are currently walking like this or there's a possibility that people will revert back to doing this. And the challenge from Paul is this. This is what happens. First, we harden our hearts. We harden our hearts to the truth. And then, because of that, we become ignorant to the truth. And our minds are darkened. And we end up being separated from the life of God. From that point, just like a callous, the insensitivity, we become calloused to what God has for us. And then eventually, We're giving over from just the hardening of our hearts to the darkness of our mind, to the callousness. And then the action comes of giving over to the practice of every kind of impurity. Now, Paul is saying, don't do this. He is speaking to the Ephesians. There were Jews that were here that were believers in Jesus Christ. But there were a lot of Gentiles. So he he is writing this to the church of Ephesus, for the purpose of being distributed, to be written down and, and redistributed around. So he is, he's talking to Gentiles, talking to us. And he says, instead of that, you must no longer be like them. Instead, but the but is, and we read it here in verse 20, but that is not the way you learn Christ, in my, my Bible, exclamation point. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, As the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to the former manner of life and is corrupted through deceitful desires and be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. That's good stuff. It says, you heard the truth. You were taught the truth, the truth in Jesus. Put off that old self and put on the being made new self. Remember, we, we referenced 2 Corinthians 5.17. You, know, you are a new creation. Be, behold, the old is gone, the new has come. You are brand new when you put your trust and faith in Jesus Christ. You are a new creation. So that battle, Carrie was talking about it in, in focus group. You know, this battle that we have with ourselves is there our old self and our new self that are, that are, that are constantly fighting one another. And the one that we entertain more is the one that's going to win. So we need to continue to be taught in Jesus. We need to continue to, to live that life of God that he calls us to, Paul calls us to. It says, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So I think on the, top of your, on the top of your worship notes, hopefully you have worship notes, I think it says, dressed and ready, dot, 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 now what? Why don't you underline Ready? And then put a question mark right after ready. Dressed and ready? Now what? Because just like me, when I was standing in the mirror in my junior year, ready to go to prom with this popular cheerleader, I was dressed. I was dressed. I had everything ready. So I thought, I looked at myself in the mirror and before I went out, I said, are you ready? In my mind, I was like, I ain't ready to do this. But you need to ask yourself, in, in your life, in your walk with Jesus Christ, are you ready? Are you verses 70 to 20? Or are you verses 20 to 24? So that's what it says when it says, therefore. So it's assuming, and even it says here in the passage, assuming, verse 21, assuming that you've heard about him or taught in him, assuming that you have yourself ready to rock and roll, therefore, and now let's go on to the next, having put away falsehood, let us each one of you. As I was studying, I, was, I looked up the word falsehood. And uh, I'm no Greek scholar, but thankfully we have this thing called the interweb. I don't know if you've ever heard it before. Uh, you can Google, or I can just press Siri, help me find this stuff. So the internet is amazing how you can look up scripture. And Brainiacs and Planet Smartron have put all this stuff together and all that. All these zeros and ones to make it so you can look up something. And find some deep truths in Scripture from it. So uh, I looked up the Greek word for falsehood, and the interesting thing was, the Greek word is called pseudo. Pseudo. You ever thought of pseudo? Not Sususudio by uh, who was that? Uh, who was it? Phil Collins, oh man, in the air tonight. Okay, so it's not su, su-, su it's pseudo. And pseudo literally means lie. So this, this passage is falsehood, but it literally means lie. A practical view of it would be imitation, artificial, fake, a scam. And my printer went a little hokey on me this morning. So I took a picture of my computer screen so I could have this information. And there's a study in 2014, The Lies We Tell, Statistics on Lying and Honesty. I don't know why they did this, but they divided it up with guys and girls, kind of like a little versus competition, I guess. So they interviewed t- thousands of people, and they tabulated the results, and this is what we find out. <clears throat> Might not be that good for the guys, actually. It says, when asked if they'd ever lied about their accomplishments, 28% of men admitted that they did. Only 17% of the women did. About their Facebook profile. 24% of men said they lied on their Facebook profile. And 16% of women said they did. A resume. A resume. 22% of men. 16% of women. Financial well-being. Have you, you know, the statistic, have you ever lied? They asked these people, have you ever lied about your financial well-being? 42% of men said they haven't told the truth. And 38% of women, that's pretty high. Lying to doctors, we had Doc Morris up here, I hate to say this, I hate to say this, Dave. Lying to doctors, 26% Survey said they've done so. A quarter of everybody you've talked to has lied to you, lied to you. <laughs> he asked, Are you taking your pills? Uh, sure, you know, yeah, every, almost every kind of day maybe. Um, but it's only 17, 17.5% of, actually, I, forgive me, 26% of women, 26% of women, a quarter of the women. But for the guys, only 17%. I guess they don't mind just being straight up. Telling tall tales to their parents, 43.5% of women were untruthful to their parents at some, some point in their life, and 37% of men. Fibbing to their friends. Your friends, you can trust your friends, right? 44% of men were untruthful to their friends. And 38% were untruthful women. So when we look at those statistics, we think, you know, the ladies only have 16%. They're doing really good, aren't they? The guys have all the way up to 30%. Well, what about 0%? What about just being straight up honest? Because that's what it's calling, calling us to little picture of my friend Pinocchio here. Being honest, first and foremost, with yourself. Being honest with yourself. We're called to put off falsehood. The pseudos. The pseudos. Uh, there's, there's a combination of Greek words in and in, in other passages and such. Pseudo this, pseudo that. One of them is pseudo doctrine. You know, a false doctrine. We have pseudo wisdom in Colossians. A false wisdom. What about present day? But present day stuff. Uh, pseudo-medicine. Again, we're going to the doctor thing. I don't know why we're going to But pseudo-medicine, fake medicine. When I was a kid, we would watch on TV, Home Shopping Network or QVC or whatever, and they would be selling these precious faux diamonds. These are just the best faux diamonds you could ever have. Faux means fake. Pseudo-diamonds, fake diamonds, like plastic. You know, but they were selling them for a whole lot of money and people were buying them. People were buying these diamonds that were fake. What about pseudo-happiness? Pseudo-happiness. That's one I created. Because I hear a lot the phrase, you deserve to be happy. Pseudo-happiness. In the news this week, I don't know if you guys are into music or anything like that, but Being a 1900 young man, uh, graduating high school in 92, um, I was in the beginning of the grunge phase of music from uh, Seattle. And um, I would listen to these grunge artists, Nirvana, Screaming Trees, Soundgarden, Mother Love Bone. I know there's weird weird names and stuff. But uh, there's one guy, Nirvana, Kurt Cobain. He ended up taking his own life. He had everything he could ever want everything he could ever want. He wanted fame, he got fame. He wanted popularity, he got popularity. He wanted money, he got money. He wanted a wife, he got a wife. He wanted kids, he got kids. But none of that would bring him happiness. None of that would bring him happiness. And just just a short time ago, the lead singer for Soundgarden, Chris Cornell, ends up taking his own life. And just this week, just this week, a dude named Chester Bennington, you may not even know the name, but he's, he, he sings, he's the lead singer, was the lead singer for a band called Linkin Park. Millions upon millions upon millions of, of albums sold. Millions. Six kids. He's got six kids. 41 years old. 41 years old. He takes his own life. Takes his own life. What is going on that we are believing this lie this pseudos, this falsehood that's being propagated by our world. And we're going to talk about it. Where, where does this falsehood come from? Where does this falsehood come from? You know, so many different places. And as I studied, one place that I realized it comes from, I want us to turn to John 8. <coughs> John 8. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. My Bible. It's page seven hundred sixty-five. If you have one of these Bibles here, my daughter's name's on it, on top. So, I grabbed it. So. John eight, and we're actually you can actually dog ear that because we're actually going to come back to John eight here in a little bit. John eight, verse forty-four. So, where does falsehood come from? I think it comes from three places majority, I think it comes from three places. But the the first one, hands down, it says this. You are of your father, the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and he has nothing to do with the truth. Remember that word, the truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he lies... Sudos, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar. Sudos, and the father of lies. We wanna know where falsehood comes from? You know, church, Bible, little Sunday school answer. Satan, Satan. We looked at Genesis three in the very beginning. And what did he do? He deceived Eve. He led her astray by lying to her right at the very beginning the very be- his purpose his plan is to lie and to deceive and to lead believers those that put their trust in Jesus to lead them astray in Ephesians 6, 11, it talks about the schemes, the schemes of the devil. We actually read it in focus group. I was like, man, Lord, wow. You know, the fiery darts of the devil, how he would just shoot darts at us with his schemes and his, his cunning. In 2 Corinthians 11, he'll disguise himself. He'll disguise himself. Another place that I feel that, that from reading scripture, where it tells us where falsehood comes from, it comes from others in the world. If you're in, if you're in Ephesians 4, just go back a page. Just go back a page. And you'll see in Ephesians 2. I reference it in John 8, and I'll reference it again in Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2, verse 2. Verse 1, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work with the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. We were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. If you don't know Jesus, as most of this world does not, what are they going to do? They're going to follow their dad. The father of lies and you know what they're going to start doing propagating falsehood propagating it throwing it out throwing it out throwing it out to the point where you hear it so often and you relax you put your guard down and it comes in your ear and comes in your eye gate and comes in your ear gate and all of a sudden you start believing it you start believing this these lies that are set forth um i've got a uh I've got a little bit of an edgy video I want to I play. And I want you to watch this video because this is the truth. Actually, this could be some of us sitting here. So if we get a chance, can we clicker it? how it works? We get on the internet, we get on social media, and we look at everybody's highlight reel. We look at everybody's highlight reel. How many pictures do you think someone takes of themselves before they post the perfect one with the, the sun in the background and their teeth just right? How many pictures do you think they have on their phone or on their computer that they might even just touch up a little bit before they post it? And you're sitting there. You know, look at that tomato-encrusted chicken parmesan. And you got this aluminum foil mush. We look at everyone's highlight reel and we compare it to our real life, to our low points, to our lowness. Is that not a lie? Is that not a lie? But what happens to us? We become just like Scott here. We say... Maybe I can just, you know, sushi with my, with my girl, you know? And then we get that little jolt of a couple of likes. Like pats on the back. Boy, you're doing good, buddy. And then it just rolls and rolls and rolls. How much, how much is, one, is a lie? How much is, a, it, how much is the truth versus a lie? Is it, is it okay to lie a little bit? Is it okay to just lie like one one percent one percent? One percent lie. Just a one, just, just a little, just a little bit of leaven. A little bit of leaven in that loaf. You know? It takes a one it, it takes just a minuscule moment for us to start gravitating back to living like the Gentiles do. And turning back to how they were. He says, You must not do it. You gotta fight against it. We're in a fight. We're in a fight. I succumb to it. I do. I know we all do. You know, dare I even say, we sit here at church and everyone's got their really nice clothes on and their two and a half kids and their are 1.7 dogs and, you know, 2.3 cats at home and, uh, and people in the back, looking at this someone who just got their hair done and they're like, man, their hair looks so nice. My hair never looks that nice. The back of her hair looks nice. You know, how does she do that? And boy, look at that Look at that partial beard he has, I can't. I got a, I got a little patch here. I can't even grow a beard like that. We start comparing ourselves to other people. You know, we all have struggles. Every single one of us have struggles. Let's get. Let's be. Let us be honest with ourselves. But we have responsibility, an individual responsibility, as it says. Having put away falsehood, let each one of you... We have an individual responsibility. Romans, 3, 20, Romans 12, 3 says this. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather with sober judgment according to the measure of faith God, God has given you. Think of yourself. Think soberly. Look at, take an honest look at yourself. Are you lying on social media for this gratification? Are you lying to others? Are you lying to yourself? Are you lying to yourself? Well, it's not that big a deal. That's okay. You know, nah, no one's going to know. You know, it's all right if I do this. Are you lying to yourself? You're only hurting yourself when you lie to yourself. It says we lie to ourselves. We give lip service to God without true life service. I think we give lip service to God. Oh, we are, I want to do this. But we don't give life service to him. You know, mirror. looking at myself, talking to myself. So how can we be honest with others if we're not even honest with ourselves? We need to lay off the lies, lay off the falseness that devour our lives. I lied to you all last week. I lied to you all last week. You didn't realize it, did you? I was weed-eating, uh, like, I don't know, a couple of days. Like, it might have been Saturday. I was, like, trying to bust through this, you know, my weed-eater broke, and I've got vicious, you know, musk thistles that are taller than me, seriously. I'm, like, trying to cut through these things. And I, I got to get a new weed-eater, and it turns a different way. You know, use the old one, it turns one way, it turns the other way. So I'm kind of get used to, to how to do it. And I went down, and this little tiny pebble, like, just shot off and, Perfect velocity to come and hit me right in the head. And I was like, I'm wearing these glasses. Earlier on, I got a rock that hit me in the eye. I was like, hey, I got these glasses. Ain't going to be bothered. Boom, I got hit right in the head. And it started to bleed a little bit. I was like, oh my goodness. So Sunday morning, I look at myself and it was like, in my mind, it was like this huge, you know, crater of a, of a scab. And so I was like, hey, Alicia, um, where's your makeup at? So, uh, so I got this, this cover up stuff. So i like stuck my finger in this thing and I dabbed it, and it looked like a weirdo. But I started kind of rubbing it, and stuff, and making it, you know, making it look look good. I'm like, okay, no one will notice. No one will notice. All last week I was wearing makeup, and you didn't even know it. Didn't even know it. Why did I do that? Why did I do that? What did I, What's the, what's the kind of make, what's the makeup called that you that you that I put on there? Concealer. Concealer. I I actually didn't know that. I thought it was cover-up. So, yes, concealer. It's called concealer, you know? Cover-up. Why do we try to cover things up? You know what? I think we get a whole lot farther in life if we're just honest with each other. We're just honest with each other, you know? I really screwed up here. I need your help. I need prayer. I, I ask people to pray for me all the time. I'm so weak. I need you to pray for me. I'm struggling through this. Probably even bad. I just open myself up. I'm crying with the waiter. i was having problems. No, um, but I I don't mind. You know. But there's other things that I try to cover up. I try to conceal. I try to cover this up. We need to be honest with each other, with others. We need to be honest with others. And you know what we need to do? We need to put on. We put off this falsehood. We need to put on truth speaking. Truth speaking, now this is an interesting p- part in in Ephesians four because we're going through this whole process of trying to ch- trying to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, and this is the point right here where putting off the falsehood. And this is the point where it becomes like a more of an activity, an action. I love the practicality of Ephesians four. Also, that's one of the reasons why I like Romans twelve because it transitions from heavy theology, which makes my brain hurt, to Practicality, Romans twelve sixteen, which I could actually start doing. I'm okay, I can, I can handle that. I can, I can grab onto that. This is Ephesians four, right here, at this moment. Put on truth speaking. So the word truth speaking, the word truth in that speaking literally means speaking in the Greek, but truth is this fancy word, aletheon. It's it's said about, uh, over a dozen times in Scripture, in the New Testament specifically. But remember, I said John eight. Remember, I said keep 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 on John eight. It's mentioned th- three times, three times in like five verses in John 8. Let me read it again. It says this, John 8. Um, you know, people are, the Pharisees are trying to bust on Jesus and he's, you know, he's like, okay, let's, let's get real here, let's get real. He starts talking to them. He says, uh, they answered him, Abraham is our father, Jesus said to them, verse 39. And Jesus said, if you were Abraham's children, you'd be doing the works that Abraham did. AKA, if you follow Jesus, you will walk like Jesus, 1 John 2.6. If you claim to know him, you will walk as Jesus did. But he's saying, if, you, if, Jesus, if Abraham was your daddy, you'd be walking like Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You're doing the works your father did. So they started saying a bunch of stuff. Jesus said to them in verse 42, If God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God, and I'm here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you understand what I say? It's because you cannot bear to hear my word. You and the father, and I read that verse, you are the father of the, you are of your father the devil, and your will is to do the father's desires. It says here in the last part of that verse, when he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he's a liar, a father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, a whatever that word is in Greek, you don't believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, again, that word again, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the word. The reason why you do not hear them is because you're not of God. Straight up, a straight up compare and contrast Jesus did right there, pseudos versus Eliathan. Straight up, he's like, "There's lies and there's truth. I'm in the truth category. I'm in the truth. I'm in the truth. Uh, the truth line. And y'all, you're in the lie line. So we need to we need to speak truth to others. I hate to say it, but sometimes when you say the truth to people, it hurts. It hurts. Even just trying to lie to make someone feel better." In the end, it doesn't really go that far to make them feel better. One of, my, one of the, the verses that I always have in my mind is from Proverbs 27, verse 6. And it says this. Wounds from a r- friend are true, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Wounds from a friend are true, but an enemy mul- multiplies kisses. I think of a surgeon or a doctor that has to cut open a wound. Something's gone, he has to cut it open. I would much rather have a straight cut done by someone i trust than a jagged one that i've got to you know pull out of my back you know or someone has ripped me to pieces just by trying to say some nice things to me that are a lie the wounds from a friend are true but an enemy multiplies kisses you can hurt me with the truth but don't comfort me with a lie you know first corinthians 13 says if i speak with the tongue of men and angels but have not love we can't we can't forget we can't forget love in this either Galatians 6, if someone is called to sin, you are spiritual, so restore them gently. Be careful that you yourself are not drawn in the same temptation. 1 Corinthians 13, as I said, if I speak in the tongue of men and angels, but don't have love, I'm a sounding gong or a clanging, clanging cymbal. We need to couch this with love. We can tell the truth to somebody, but we also say it in a loving way. But we are called to speak truth to others. Um... Jesus gave the truth because he loves us. We love because he first loved us. Friends tell us the truth because they love us. You know, if I had a big old thing of broccoli in my teeth and I'm walking around and my friends there doesn't say anything to me and I look totally embarrassed. I wouldn't want my friend to say, you you have broccoli in your teeth. A friend of mine who's a pastor, he he would sit on the second row, the music would end and he he would hug his son. He would come up and he would start preaching. He hugged his son, he said, I love you, son. And his son said, dad, you have the worst breath right now. <laughs> he's like, thank you, son. You know, you know he put a mint, in his, a mint in his mouth before it came up. But I mean, his son loved him. It's not like he didn't love him. He's just telling the truth. You speak the truth because you love. Why do we do this? Why do we do this? We do this for family unity. All throughout Ephesians 4. What is the first part of Ephesians 4? What is it all about? It's about unity. Unity. Ephesians 4 1. I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There's one body and one spirit just recall to one hope who belongs to your call. Let's go to verse 13. I can go down to verse thirteen here. Until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, the measure of the stature, the fullness of Christ, we're called to unity. Why should we do this? Because I want you to be responsible for me and my well-being, and I want to be responsible for you in your well-being. And I want to have the privilege, the honor, to come to you. And tell you the truth. And I want you to have the privilege and honor to come to me and tell me the truth. Romans 12, verse five, it says, for we all belong to all the others. We all belong to the others. Why should we do this? Because we are members of one another. We must speak truth to our neighbor. If you want to know more about a neighbor, you can talk about, uh, you can uh, jump on and listen to a podcast. Lo and I did some podcasts about loving our neighbor seeing our neighbor, and seeking our neighbor, and you'll hear a bunch of weird stories about us talking about our life and how we relate it to to Jesus. I encourage you to jump on the website and look at the podcast. But if you notice, there's something on your notes, at the bottom of your notes. It says, I think it says, the three circles, gospel, presentation. I want you to take a a marker and one line through presentation, and above it put, conversation, conversation conversation. And I have this whiteboard. A friend of mine shared this with me in probably November of 2016. And we did it in, we, uh, we shared this presentation with fighting me here. We shared this presentation with the teens at our teen winter retreat. And it's a simple way that you can share the gospel with somebody You can do it in 30 seconds, 3 minutes, 10 minutes, 30 minutes. And uh, I'm going to get my notes here because I want to make sure I say it correctly before, before you guys and ladies. Uh, I actually, I like talking to people about Jesus. Uh, It it should flow out of every single one of us. If it it wells up in us, it should flow out. There's plenty of different ways you can give the gospel to somebody. You can do the four spiritual laws. You can do the may I ask you a question. You can do the Romans road. uh, You can do the wordless book. You can do all these different things. This is another tool that you can put in your tool belt. So in any situation, if you've got a pen and a napkin, you can do this. Um, it's the three circles, and this is what it is. This is how it goes. You see, God—whether we realize it or not—God made everything. He I made mean everything in the beginning. In the beginning, He had a perfect design for our world, and and let's just say it's God's perfect design. But unfortunately, that's not what I see around here. What I see around here is actually something way different. Things aren't perfect. Things aren't perfect because, unfortunately, we live in a different world. And this world is called brokenness. You don't have to go very far. You don't have to go very far to realize and understand and see that there's something's something's not right. Something is broken in our world. You see, the Bible talks about this, that we should have this, we should be living here in this world, but unfortunately, we've done wrong and this wrong is called sin. In Romans 3.23, it says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But here's what happens in our world. We think we can make it better so, we do a bunch of stuff. We try to get money, try to gain, gain money, fame, fortune, seek pleasure however we can. And what happens is we try to escape this broken world that we live in, but we end up coming right back to it. And coming right back to it. God saw this. God saw this. And He said, This is not my design. And He decided to do something about it. He sent, he sent somebody he sent his son Jesus God became flesh God became flesh not only did he come down to this earth not only come down to the earth but the amazing thing is Jesus lived a perfect life he lived a perfect life and he was He was the only one capable of taking all of our brokenness upon himself and dying for all of our sin. That was God's design so that we could come back to God's perfect design. The awesome thing about God is that he sent his son Jesus. His son Jesus, after he died, he didn't just stay in the ground. He rose from the dead. He defeated death. See, we can't get back this way. We can't get back this way. We can't get back this way. We've sinned. So God made another way for us to be with him. And that's if we we look to Jesus. There's two things that I want you to think about from going here to here. Is you have to realize that you have to turn. Turn from this brokenness, from this sin. Turn to Jesus. And you have to choose to follow him. If you do that, your life will be changed. Your life will be, this changed my life and it can change your life too. If you know Jesus, what he wants us to do is he wants to lead us back into a relationship so we can get back to God's perfect design. But one thing we need to do is we need to, we need to grow. How do we do that? By learning about Jesus. You learn, the more You learn about Jesus, the more you learn about God. 1 John, John 2, 6, if we claim to know, we must walk as Jesus walked. And you know what? There's something else. It didn't stop there. It didn't stop there. Some of us have done it and are doing it and are going to do it Tuesday morning, this week. And that's this. Go. He's not done with us. So we so we escaped this brokenness, but now he wants us to go back and tell everyone else about it too. So, there's two worlds that you can live in. You can live in you can live in God's perfect design or you can live in this world. Unfortunately, unfortunately you can only live in one of those two. So which one do you live in right now? That is the gospel. That is the gospel. Now, hopefully you wrote that down. Now I've got a task. you guys have homework. You ladies and gents have homework. What? Thank you, John. We do that. Thank you so much. Your homework. at lunch today, if you're hanging out with somebody, I want you to rewrite that, rewrite it, get a napkin and rewrite it. And then have that person that, read it, that you, it, you presented it to, you showed it, you con- conversated with, have them, have them share that with you. Because the only way that you're going to become comfortable with this is by repetitively doing it. And then maybe you can choose a neighbor. You can speak the truth to a neighbor. I'm a little over my time and I've left my notes. So this is one I want to share with you. You want to be intimate, intimate with God? You got to know his word. You want to have community with others? You need to be honest with each other and have other people be honest with you. And you need to have influence in your world. You need to take this gospel truth to everybody that desperately needs him. It's like there's a, the bridge is out and you've pulled over and you know the bridge is out and you go running back the highway. People are driving and you're like, you should be waving. Stop, stop. The bridge is out. You're going to die. The bridge is out. You need to wave your hands and let everybody know the bridge is out. Whether they stop is up to them. But your responsibility is to tell them the truth. Stop, stop, stop. There is safety if you stop. Turn, turn. So, what will you do with the truth that you've heard? Let's pray. May these be your words, Lord. May your words be remembered. Your scripture, your holy word, the gospel that is flowing should flow out of every one of us, Lord. I pray earnestly, earnestly, Lord, that we would be, we would be soldiers, honest, loving, truthful, caring. We would give the truth to those who desperately need him. Thank you for setting your son, Jesus, giving us the, the perfect example, the sacrifice for us. Thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit to spur us on toward love and good deeds, to well up in us, to go reach our neighbor. And thank you, Lord, that you've given us your word to guide us in these truths. Pray we would run to you and no one else. Pray all these things, your son, Jesus Christ's name. Amen.